Welcome to WriterSpark Academy's Tips, Tricks, and the Craft of Writing. I'm Melissa Bourbon, and today we're talking about writing the villain with Annette Dashafee. So grab a cup of something tasty, settle in, and get ready to ignite your writer spark. Hi, everyone. I am here with Annette Dashafee. This is our very first Writer Spark craft chat. Annette has been gracious enough to be here with us as our, our first, very first guest. So Annette, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And why don't you go ahead and start by telling us a little bit about what you write? Uh, I write uh, a series of murder mysteries, the Zoe Chambers mysteries. Uh, the 11th in the series just came out. Uh, I've I've hit the USA Today bestseller list a couple of times. Uh, I've been nominated five times for the Agatha Award. Never won. Still working on that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I've got one standalone, uh, Death by Equine, that has just been named a semifinalist in the Dr. Tony Ryan Book Award. So we'll see how the finalists will be named sometime this month. We'll see. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Is that for your most recent book? No, that's for the one that came out last year. Uh, okay. it's, it's it's for books set in the world of thoroughbred horse racing uh, for in in 2021. Uh, and, yeah, it's fiction, nonfiction. There's a kid's book is one of the, the semifinalists. So as long as it's horse race related, uh, it qualifies. So. That was a nice surprise to get that yeah, email. <laughs> very much so. So let's start by just getting a little background about your writing journey. So part of what these craft chats are about is to um, to kind of pay it forward. You know, when I first started writing, which was, you know, close to 20 years ago, there was not the plethora of information out there that there is now. And there was not a way to tap into authors like there is now. And if I had half the information then that I have now, I feel like my career might've taken a very different path, you know, yeah. or been expedited in many ways. So, you know, before we get started on talking about the villain, which is our topic today, let's hear a little bit about your journey. Um, well, I, I've, I've been writing in one form or another since I could hold a crayon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I got serious about writing for publication about 2003, 2004, and, you know, got an agent, lost an agent, you know, almost got another agent, lost another, you know, it's, it's been not a straight line to publication by any means. I don't think um, it ever is. Yeah. And I got my first publishing contract for the first three books in the Zoe Chambers series, uh, signed that in 2013 and Circle of Influence came out in 2014. So it was it was a, a 10 year journey to get that first book published. And okay, but wow. So 2014 and during that time, you have been nominated five times for the Agatha Award and mm -hmm. you have 11 books out. That's that's well, quite 12, a lot. 12 counting the, the standalone. So 11 in the series and then plus a standalone plus a collection of short stories plus some other short stories here and there. So in eight years. So, right. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's quite an accomplishment. That's so impressive. Uh, yeah. It's it. Well, everybody says, you know, how, how could you, cause the first three books came out in 18 within 18 months. Mm -hmm. it, but the thing is I had that first one done 
Mm-hmm. And the second one was about three quarters of the way done when I signed that first contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I thought, oh, so I have a whole year to write that third book. That's no problem. But what you know, nobody told me <laughs> in none of the workshops was that, yeah, you're you're also doing revisions on the first one, finishing the second one. Then you're doing marketing on the first one and revisions on the second one while you're trying to draft the third one. So that that first year or two was a real learning experience about how publishing works. Right. Um, And suddenly you're on these deadlines and it takes a little bit of the fun out of it, of just writing and, you know, following the story where it takes you, because now you have these deadlines and these expectations that put a lot of pressure on you. Yeah. But I mean, hey, I'm not going to complain about having a contract. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought about that because after the 10th one came out, I was no longer under contract. Uh, And it was like, well, where do I go from here? And there was a little bit more of that leisurely sense of being able to take my time writing. And I've now I'm under contract with two different publishers for Mm -hmm. two different series and so it's there's a little bit more of that hysteria yeah <laughs> deadline that's a lot to juggle yeah but you know what after all this time i think my writing muscles have have built up to where it's i i honestly don't know that the writing suffers you know by having to having to meet a deadline as opposed to having all this time it just when you have unlimited time and and no true hard deadline. I just keep going back and tinkering and tinkering and tinkering. And I don't know if it gets any better or if it just changes at that point. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think we could do a whole talk just about that. I'm very much more successful when I'm on deadline. Deadline works for me, definitely. (laughs) And when I don't, that's when, like I said, I, like you said, I tinker, but also the laundry calls or the dogs need to be walked more often or for longer or, you know, Oh, a nap sounds good. Or Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah there's things. always, there's, I, I was doing a lot more yoga and, and, you know, some, yeah, a little extra meditation. I still do that, but it was like, it was more leisurely yeah. <laughs> when I wasn't yeah. under contract. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what is it? Lucille Ball said, when you need something done, ask a busy person. Exactly. That effect. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if it was Lucille or not, but that's, <laughs> She's a smart cookie. True, so true I statement, would. that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to jump in and talk about villains. So first of all, tell me why this is an interesting topic for you. I just, I I like, maybe it's, you know, people say that the, the mystery community, the mystery authors that, you know, readers will say that the mystery authors they meet are so friendly. And I say it's because we get all our all of our hostility out on the page. So you know, maybe that's part of it that I enjoy getting into the the villain's mindset and and can put all of my you know all the bad stuff out there on the page. But I, I as a reader, I, I find that I enjoy reading a book with a more developed villain than one who's just like you know, a, a cartoon character, bad guy. Yeah. Killing for killing's sake. Yeah. And I mean, there are people who are out there. I, I've written a couple uh, of those characters myself who are just, you know, flat out evil, mm-hmm. but it's, I, it's also more fun to write. I think a villain 
who, as a writer, I can get into their mindset and figure out why, you know, what's behind their, what's their motivation? What's behind this, this drive? You know, why do they want this person dead? Um, I, I, my favorite, I mean, after 12 books, I've written a lot of villains. Yeah. Killed a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, you know, all the red herrings, you know, they have to have motives too. Uh, But yeah, I've, I've, I have more empathy for those that I've, who have maybe a more altru- altruistic, am I saying that right? Yeah. <laughs> Too <laughs> early. Coffee. Need more coffee. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, someone who has uh, a more heartfelt reason for what they're doing. I, I've written a couple characters who, you almost feel sorry for them. You know, you almost wish yeah. they could get off, but no, they killed <laughs> someone. They have to pay. The bad guys you love to love. I have written quite a few villains who have killed accidentally or, yes. you know, not not with the malice intention that you see most of the time. And I think that those villains are very fun to create and also makes the book more interesting to write because it is a little bit different and it's a little bit different approach to writing that villain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had, I'm not going to give away the title because then, you know, it's a spoiler, right. Uh, right. but I, one of my favorite bad guys and it wasn't really a bad guy. He didn't even know that he was responsible for the death and he was, you know, pushing the cops to find the, the killer of the of the victim not realizing that he had ultimately been the, the reason the 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 what what you know he put in motion what ended in this person's death now that is yeah. a different approach that's cool yeah and you know it, it's for the readers you know it's you know like oh my gosh i didn't know it was that guy well yeah that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of the point um, I also, again, in the series, I like to vary, you know, mix it up. I don't want the same type of person, type of character always being the right. killer. Right. Same. Uh, do you consider your books cozy mysteries or are they more traditional mysteries with cozy elements or are they not really in the cozy genre at all? Uh, I've, you know, I never thought of them as cozies. That's okay. kind of where I got shelved because of who my publisher was for the first 10. And, okay. um, nothing against cozies. I mean, <laughs> a lot of my readers are cozy readers and I love them and I, I love cozies, but I mean, my main character, Zoe is a paramedic deputy coroner in the earlier books. And now she's had a career change where she is the County coroner. And the which second, is not, yeah, not the traditional cozy, yeah, not amateur yeah. sleuth. And right. uh, the secondary main character is the chief of police so you know they have a good reason for being there you know that it's not again not not belittling cozies i love them but it, it's not the quilting ladies you know out yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <The> bread shop <laughs> but it, it there's it's small town yeah. uh and you know a lot of so these it's kind of traditional or it, even um I don't know. What do you say? I call them traditional. I call them traditional. But with cozy elements. Yeah. Hank Philippi Ryan Ryan called them not quite cozies at one point. It's like, hey, I'm not arguing with Hank. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Who would argue with Hank? (coughs) Um, Okay. So 
I actually teach a class on writing cozy mysteries and the first core lesson is actually developing the antagonist because I always start with the antagonist with the crime itself and the antagonist because when you think about a mystery traditional cozy whatever the villain really drives the story right and tries to thwart the sleuth whatever that sleuth looks like and the sleuth is always reacting to the obstacles that the villain throws in the way of success exactly so, i think it was earl stanley gardner who wrote uh the perry mason books mm -hmm. who said uh plot from the perspective i'm not going to get this quote right plot from the perspective of the villain but write from the perspective of the protagonist oh that's a great quote yeah i hadn't heard that one so is that how you start do you start with the crime and the villain well i <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the nice things about a series is you have your protagonists already, you know, figured out. Um, but yeah, I, I always know before I start writing who did it and why, or should mm -hmm. I say who done it? Cause that's what they are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know who done it and I know why, uh, before I ever start. And then I might, I, I usually write like fifth, the first 50 pages just to kind of get the story going. Um, mm -hmm. But at some point there, I have to stop and, and really flesh out the villain. And uh, what I do, uh, and I, I teach a class on, you know, the, the villain's point of view. Uh, what I like to do is just open up a document and start letting the villain tell me his story from his point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, on the page this is never going to show up because there's just Pete and Zoe that have points of views in the books so far. I'm toying with, you know, another option, but <laughs> for right now, you know, the, it's just the protagonists that have the point of view on the page, but I let the villain kind of just spill his guts to me and tell me, you know, about whatever he wants to tell me about. Sometimes it's, you know, going back to his, his childhood, what triggered him to, you know, go down this particular path, Right. what uh what how does he know the victim and why does he want him dead and you know just how he plots the murder or whatever just you know i just waste it's what's not waste because i keep it and i keep referring back well to because all of that is going to inform how the villain manifests on the page yeah and how he's he or she is portrayed and how others see him or her because you know all of that's so yes. going to come through yes and uh, it also i get their get a sense of their voice that character's voice really starts to come through um and also if if i'm writing from the villain's point of view and actually going through the actual murder you know like writing it out again never going to be on the page for the reader right. but play it out then i know what happened and i know what pete and zoe are going to find when they get to the scene right that it's i always look at it and kind of compare it to teaching. I was a middle school teacher for a long time and, and we have the idea of backwards mapping. So you start with what you want your students to learn and then you go backwards and figure out, okay, how am I gonna get them there? So you have the end goal in mind and it's kind of the same, or I, I believe it's kind of akin to that when you need to start with the murder to know what happened in order for the sleuth to figure out and unravel all of the clues and all of the red herrings to get to that big reveal to that moment yeah so you have to know what happened and how the crime was committed and why the villain did it and then there are the pantsers out there 
whose minds are, you know, because <laughs> one of my critique partners uh, never knows who the killer is until the very end of the book, whenever she gets there, you know, she, mm. fig- you know, she figures out, she'll try, she, she'll try to, you know, know who the, who that character is. And by the time she gets three quarters of, of the way through the book, uh, it's like, nope, that's not the one. I, you know, it works for her. She, her books yeah. are great, but I, I can't do it that way. I've, I admit I've done it that way and I've done it. I've tried to plot really, really carefully. And I've gone the total pantsing way somewhere in between is what works best for me. Have you ever changed the villain? There's been one time where I got to the end and I'm like, no, I do not want that person. That person did not do it. Yeah. And so I changed it to the person who revealed you know, to himself to be the killer and then had to go back and make all of these changes. Um, that doesn't happen very often, but have you ever encountered that? No, I haven't uh, yet. I mean, <laughs> you, never know, you never know what's going to happen down the road, but um, no. And I, I, I kind of think it's because of the time that I spend getting to know the villain and really knowing his motivation that uh, yeah, that's never happened. I've always, I've always known who and why and where uh, it just, the, the trick then is creating the puzzle for right. the readers and of course the protagonists to find out, you know, and, and that, that becomes a problem too, without having the, the old trope of the killer at the end, just pouring it all out. <laughs> Right, and sometimes you, you kind of get stuck, and you have to do that just to get the information out there. Uh, but I, you know, you try to have clues along the way so that the whole reveal doesn't come down to the villain pouring his heart out at the end. Right, <laughs> being trapped in a room. Now tell me what happened. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. But first, let me tell you why I did all this. <laughs> Say, okay, I'm going to come up with four or five potential villains and which one I circle back to is the one that makes the most sense or the story that I'm most compelled by, you know, his motive or whatnot. Or do you go in starting with, okay, I know this is my villain and this is my situation and I'm going to go now and create three or four other possible scenarios. I have notebooks for, for each of my, for each of my books. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have pages where I, I name, you know, these five different characters and why they would want the victim dead and you know how they could maybe have done it and you know all the the red herring pages mm-hmm. and yeah <laughs> so no- you're a, a pen and paper note taker early on yeah yeah i got i'm working on <laughs> right now <laughs> for the next book <laughs> that's impressive yeah i don't know my i i don't I write so much faster when I type. So that slows me down to write with pen and paper. It's a different part of the brain though, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. yeah, I do all of my writing and uh, that letting the villain talk to me is all done on the computer, either mm-hmm. in a word document or I've, I have Scrivener that I use a lot for outlining and for keeping track of characters and locations and such. Um, but it seems like sometimes I I'm just a, a little stuck and I need to, switch to that different part of my brain mm-hmm. uh, and break out the pen and paper and, and the mm-hmm. notebooks and scribble notes that way. I, I do that a lot too when I get to the final revision stages. 
So that's a great tip. If you're stuck to switch it up a little bit that way, maybe try pen and paper, or yeah. if you do it the opposite way to go to the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Mix it up. It kind of, yes. it wakes up the muse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you had to give three tips on how to write a villain, what would they be? Oh, this, this is not rehearsed folks. So I didn't I know, have these no, questions in advance. Um, <laughs> uh, always remember that the, the villain is the hero of his own story. I love that. Mind. I love the hero's journey so much. And that's yeah. something that I firmly believe in. Uh, that's one, two, uh, and it's villains and heroes both. Uh, I try to remember that uh, every bad guy has a little good in him and every good guy has a little bad in him. Uh, right. Nobody is all good or all bad. No, even your villain, they're not completely evil. Right. And most of the time there's a good reason in their own mind why they've exactly. done this, but it justifies it. It rationalizes, but they're not just an evil character because that's very uninteresting and very flat. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah. And it, it's fun make having uh, some, you know, less, good stuff, you know, in your, in your good guys mind, letting them have a little bit of a, you know, flaw. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like totally flawed heroes, but you know, they got to have a little bit of, a little bit of bad in them. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a third one, <laughs> <laughs> but, but those, those really are the, the two keys that I, I try to, you know, keep in mind as I'm creating the villain um and okay. we'll I, leave it at two i'll just i'll give you two uh two and a half maybe because it's a little bit of what <laughs> we talked about before uh make sure that your villain has a backstory and uh, a deeper motive i mean you, you know you've got killers who just fly into a rage because someone cuts them off on the road and, and yes that happens and yes that could be a murder mystery but if they've got a deeper set of motivations a longer brewing feud or whatever uh, it mm -hmm. makes for a more compelling story and a more compelling vic uh, villain I must said victim villain <laughs> yeah it makes for a poor victim regardless yes. yeah the victims <laughs> <laughs> okay so those are good tips um do you have a favorite villain that you've written and also a favorite villain that you've read that always is like, that's the best villain out there. <sighs> yeah. But the problem is I can't tell you who the one, my favorite one that I've written is. <laughs> true. <Yeah>. Spoiler. True. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had, I, I have one uh, villain that I wrote that I honestly fell in love with to the point where at the end I was trying to, you know, think, can I get him out of this somehow? Mm -hmm. You know, and and because I, I I also knew that I had to kill him at the end, and I was like, can I can I somehow you know not <laughs> have that ending? And I was like, no, he's just you know he's done some he's had again he had good reasons in his mind he had some real tragic things happen in his past, but that's the whole point of of writing crime fiction is that we you know there has to be justice. Right. So I, I wasn't able to let him out of it. Uh, uh, who's my favorite villain? I can I can think of some favorite movie villains. Um, 
That works. <laughs> Usually they're taken from books or adapted. So no, I think, well, one of my favorite actors, uh, uh, Alan Rickman. Uh, he, oh yeah. Uh, Quigley down under, he played, uh, the, the villain on there and he was just so, and he also in, um, the, uh, Robin Hood, but that was, it was the one with Kevin Costner. That was just a horrible, horrible movie. Oh yeah. And he yeah. played the sheriff of Nottingham so deliciously evil and funny at the same time. <laughs> he, he is deliciously perfect in pretty much everything that he has been in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and there was a villain who was just absolutely horrible. You hated him, but he kept coming back in the, Craig Johnson's Longmire series, uh, he kept showing up, and he was he was evil to the core, to the point where when he'd show up again, because he would like get away at the end of a book and show up two books later, it was just like ah, not again. But he was very memorable. He's he's like Moriarty. Yeah, <laughs> just never goes away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they he finally, I think I think he finally came met his. And of course, the, those kind of characters, you think you kill them off and they can still come back. So that's that's always a concern. <laughs> well, and if they're that compelling and readers love them, love to hate them, but love them, you don't necessarily want to kill them off because they add so much to the story. Yeah, but he tortured the, the, the main <laughs> characters so badly. It was like, but doesn't that, isn't that what already to the books and to the series? I hope he stays gone, but he was compelling to read. <laughs> Just have have fun <laughs> if you can have fun with a villain. Have fun getting to to know your villain. And it, you know, there's I think mugs and t-shirts and such that say, you know, be careful. I'm a writer. Be careful what you say around me because yeah. you put in my <laughs> next book. Um, I will say that uh, kill, killing people uh, fictionally, killing them is very therapeutic. So, yes, <laughs> so if if people annoy you in your life you know, put, put that into your, your villain. <laughs> has that happened to you? That has happened to me there. I can think of one in particular and again, I won't uh, say which book, Yeah, but it is in my bread shop series. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I actually used this person's name, but shuffled the letters around. So ah. I created a new name, but it's actually this person's name. And oh, it was very gratifying Yes, yes, <laughs> to, to do them in. Yes, and I have, I have done that, and I, I, I'm, again, like you, I'm not going to say which book or who the person is or even what the character's name is because our characters do not resemble anyone in no, real life. No, 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 <laughs> only in our minds. <laughs> but it was, it was funny. There, there was this person years ago who had really uh, antagonized me to no end, and I was just like. I would bump into him in the streets and, and like, you know, just, and I, I put him in a book and had him be the villain and he got his comeuppance at the end. And I ran into the, the real person on the, on the street, like you know, after I'd finished the book and it was just like, Hi, I wish there's so much, you know, it's like you're dead to me. Did you <laughs> but, sign a copy and hand it over? No, no I didn't. <laughs> I've wanted to do that. I've wanted to sign and mail a copy to this person, but I don't know the address, so I can't, can't it's do it. Probably better that way. I know. <laughs> yeah. Things are working in my favor there. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for being our first guest on the Writer Spark craft chat and talking about villains with us. I really appreciate it. And oh, we will pleasure. chat again about another topic another time. Okay. Thanks. Come back for more tips, tricks, and the craft of writing with Writer Spark Academy's podcast and learn more about our online courses at www.writersparkacademy.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, happy writing.